Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. As we await uh, Jack Campbell, Toronto Maple Leaf goaltender, as our next guest. JB, it can't, can't be easy for these guys coming to the rink, Jack included, trying to figure out <laughs> what your lineup's going to look like. Yeah. yeah, I never want to presume about the difficulty of anyone's job, but it has to be easier for a goaltender where your job isn't going to change much. Like, you're just stop the puck. I know that's a mass oversimplification, but, you know, I think in the coach's office when you sit there, you go, ah, just stop the puck. Hopefully it's easier for Jack than it is for some of the wingers and centers who get moved around every game and change line mates. Yeah, and I really want to ask him, I mean, how does that go and look so much easier today than it, and then it did, you know, 10 years ago, eight years ago, five years ago. Yeah. With just the ability now and the probability so late in his career. Uh, but you buy into the theory that these goaltenders today aren't truly what they are until they're in their late 20s? Uh, not entirely. You know, I think so much is circumstance and confidence. You know, I, I think it's. More than any other position, I think it's about being able to be in the moment and just react and not, you know, not have your head going over the all over the place. And I think he's had that opportunity here where when you're back up and you're trying to make an impression in 25 starts a year, it's got to be harder to truly stay within your own head and just play the game. And just his ability not only to stop the puck that stands out for me, it's uh, the ability to uh, control your rebounds or most often than not, what we've seen is get a whistle. Yeah. How, I mean, did it make a big difference to you, who you played in front of as a forward? Did it affect the way you felt about a game going into a game, knowing who was in net? I've been on a bench when I've had teammates cover their face with their hockey glove <laughs> and just sp spread two fingers uh, and look through their gloves and go, okay, just tell me when the puck's out of our zone. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they didn't want to yeah. watch. Not if they feeling. did not have the confidence in their goaltender. And now we join uh, Jack Campbell into this conversation. And of course, Jack, no one's covering their face with their hockey gloves with you in net this season. <laughs> How you guys doing? <laughs> We're well. Happy New Year. And, uh, and thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been such a tough few years, Jack, uh, watching, you know, what's happened and what continues to happen to the National Hockey League and everything in life in general. But just from a day-to-day, -day, uh, how is it for you? Is it Does it feel like you're walking through a landmine trying to get into the dress room, not knowing who's in and who's out? Yeah, I mean, it's different for sure. I think every, you know, the teams in the league are, um, you know, we're all going through it together. And I think the, uh, the doctors are doing a great job and just kind of preparing us and... Um, trying to stay ahead if you can it's obviously tricky right now with the new the new virus but you know we're all in it together we're all trying to do our part and um i guess it's just kind of part of part of life right now for sure jack how, how different is it now with the fans back out of the building it's been great having them back in i know as a forward it was always like all right the fans get you up you go crash and bang on the four check uh, I don't know how, how what it's like as a goaltender, though, with the fans out of the building. Does it affect how you feel, the feel of the game, anything about the way you play? I mean, as far as playing, um, stopping the puck, I mean, you got to just 
focus. It's like anybody, you got to focus and do your job. But I think having the uh, the energy in the building, especially playing at home with our amazing fans with Leaf Nation, um, you know, we miss them already. But it is what it is, and we, you know, we definitely miss them. Can't wait to have them back. But we still got to go out and win games. Jack, when when you look back to the the, the trade from LA to Toronto, and that short window where you've gone from you're not sure what it's going to look like to where you are today. Does that feel like it, it happened in a blink of an eye or do you look back at your last 10 years and go, no, that's a long time in the making. And it, it is, it does feel like 10 years. Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. I think uh, just the work, like you said, over the last 10, 12, even 15 years, just, um, you know, having the goal of becoming a number one guy and, never losing sight of that no matter you know the ups and downs it's just uh you know finally getting um, a great opportunity and it came with Toronto and um you know coach Sheldon you know giving me a shot and uh, obviously the team in front of me has played amazing since I've been here and um you know I guess it doesn't surprise me it's just I'm very grateful for the opportunity and we're just trying to make the most of it this season. Jack do you feel like um uh, mentally or physically a different goaltender than you were earlier in your career, or is it just a matter of getting an opportunity? I think opportunity is definitely huge. And, um, you know, but that being said, the the coaches I've been blessed to work with, you know, in LA and then coming here to Toronto, um, obviously Steve Breer, I've touched on quite a bit and, um, you know, the work that he does for, for Peter and I and Freddie and Freddie was here. And it's just like, we're pretty spoiled to be honest with Steve Breer and the, the amount of attention that we get every single day. And um, I don't think, you know, it's coincidence that, um, you know, the goaltending here has been having success just because of Stevie. To me, the biggest story uh, and, and for anybody that's listening right there uh, out there right now, whether you're, you know, you're, you're a kid, you're a teenager, or even someone uh, older is just the, the perseverance of your career. And, Again, we're, we're talking about you at a time when you were uh, a high prospect, uh, 11th overall in the NHL draft to, what, five years later, you're in the East Coast League. So when you, when you look back at your path uh, and, and the fact that you were an 11th pick overall, was that, uh, was that a curse or was that um, you know, uh, a blessing when you look back? No, I mean, I'm a highly motivated guy and you know my goals going into that draft year were to go as high as possible and um you know it has absolutely nothing to do with um you know my journey and you know whatnot I think the opportunity and and whatnot you gotta obviously I'm super accountable so um you know I feel like you could have maybe done a lot more to get some opportunities but you know that being said you gotta kind of um, get one to, to run with it. So um, I, I just think, you know, my journey has led me to where I am today. And I think I'm stronger mentally and um, I'm a better goalie because of it. So, and plus, I mean, I'm not too taxed physically either. So, um, yeah, I think uh, just trying to keep getting better and just keep uh, keep adding to it. Jack, in my own experience, I got, uh, I heard from coaches a lot as a player that I didn't take things seriously enough or that I was too nice a guy. Um, you know, often the, the friendly attitude was mistaken for someone who 
genuinely was competitive when I played. How do you square away this like image that I think people have of someone who's competitive and, you know, angry and F those guys with someone who seems to be generally jovial, tapping your, your demon on the pads. How, how do you manage to stay competitive while, while keeping sort of a, your nice guy attitude? I just think I play my best when I'm enjoying just being out there. Everybody's different, like you said, and some guys have to kind of go into a different, almost flipping the switch into a different person. For me, I think um, what I found, you know, trial and error throughout this whole journey is, is um, rather than trying to be somebody I'm not, just, you know, enjoying it, interacting with the boys and um, just loving every second of playing hockey. And for me, that's, you know, being loose and, having fun and still dialed in of course. And, um, you know, that's pretty much it for me. I just try to try to enjoy it and kind of be who I am off the ice too. Well, everybody talks about what a, what a great teammate, uh, you are. Um, are, are you at times your toughest critic? Are you, are you as good of a teammate to yourself as you are to others? Cause sometimes I see those press conferences after and, uh, I say, man, Jack's, Jack, uh, I think is too tough on himself. Do you, is that something that you're, you're conscious of or you think about, Jack? Yeah, I mean, of course, I, I used to have kind of an issue with that where I was a little too hard on myself and um, couldn't let it go. But, I mean, the last four or five years, I've really, um, regardless of what I say in the media, I mean, the way I view, view myself in the mirror, I'm definitely my hardest critic, but I'm able to... Um, say what I need to say that I feel and, um, and then, you know, move on and, and then have a good practice or gain the next time, time out. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a question I get quite a bit, but, uh, I definitely feel like I'm in a great spot and a lot of people have helped me, um, to get to where I am now. So what comes first then the, the fun or the success? Like I know once you start winning and stuff, it's probably easier to have fun and to be the player that you, you know, you are, were you always having fun when you played or, or did you have to have the success first? Yeah. I mean, when I struggled, I, it was the other way around. It was success and then fun, but there's no question, you know, that to get success, you gotta be having fun. So that's my, goal every single day is to you know practice game workout in the gym whatever it is whatever I'm doing non-hockey related you know I have fun and um when you do that you know usually you're in in your best um kind of in the zone and then that's where the success comes from at least for Uh, me I can't speak to everybody but (laughs) Jack the, the 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 popularity is is uh rocketed uh this season when it comes to your relationship with the fans and, and the fans with you, uh, is that something that you, you constantly feel? Is it something that you need to kind of check a, aside once the game and the puck drops? Uh, it's been well noted that you're, 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 you're in a contract year. What would, what, what are the things that would, would keep you here, um, you know, uh, long-term uh, that, that stand out in your mind? Well, I mean, dating back to when I got traded here in um, February of 2020, uh, I just remember opening my hotel room blinds on game night, um, my first game against Anaheim and looking out at Toronto and just feeling a different feeling and uh, no disrespect to any other place that I've played around the league, but it just gave me the goosebumps. Like, this is go time. Like, this is the mecca of the hockey world. And, um, of course, the fans – that's just even another um, 
another just amazing uh, bonus here. It's just been, I can't even talk about it at a loss for words that, you know, how much it means that the fans have been so supportive and uh, of the team. And then of course myself and um, anytime I'm in there, it just makes me want to be the absolute best I can be and um, ultimately accomplish our goal of winning a Stanley Cup for, for Leafs Nation and, um, you know, the organization, the management, the coaches, and, of course, the teammates. Jack, uh, among goaltenders uh, who've played more than six games this year, you are leading the NHL in save percentage right now. Uh, are you at all motivated by individual success? The, the Vesna Trophy seems like something you'd be in the hunt for this season. Does that motivate you? Uh, what motivates me is just being my best every day and, you know, whether it's practice or a game and, um, you know, obviously if you're in the right state of mind, you're playing your best, um, you know, ultimately the team success is absolutely number one. And when the team has success, you usually have success yourself. So um, thankfully this year we're playing great as a team. And I think a lot of guys are having great years. And um, for me personally, I just expect to, you know, play at a certain standard. And, um, you know, I think the individual stats uh, come from that standard. But, I mean, winning is the only thing that matters and uh, winning in the playoffs. So, I mean, I think every day is, um, you know, just trying to get better. So then when the playoffs come, we're, we're ready to go. When you have success, you, you get donuts sent to you. Is that true? <laughs> I do love donuts. now uh coffee donuts uh any any soup at all i know i know you got a teammate that's uh considered the the soup guy as well but uh i i that's just the beauty of toronto right like you you've you've been in la and you've been in dallas's organization i don't think anybody sent you donuts there yeah i'm not gonna lie that tim horton's package was pretty huge i I stopped there before every game yeah, they actually sent me a little bit of soup, but it was just enough to make me feel comfortable eating it so I didn't offend Mickey um, <laughs> since he's the soup king. That's great. Is it almost, and this is probably a terrible way of phrasing it, but is it almost decent uh, having less people around because of COVID this year, being in Toronto? Like, all the attention is constant, but I also know the Leafs have, like, 16,419 staff members. Is it is it kind of made things a little bit uh, easier not having as many bodies around all the time? Yeah, I mean, as far as our staff and the amount of um, people we're blessed to have, I mean, it's definitely crazy and eye-opening just the um, amount of resources and, you know, you have no excuse not to be the best you can every day. So it's different, you know, when we go through different different times and you don't see the same faces every day, but, you know, it's kind of just what everybody's going through and, um, you know, we're all going through this together. And obviously anytime we see, uh, we get to see the fans, it's amazing and just looking forward to that, um, you know, hopefully soon. You know, pr- prior bef- uh, prior to everything kind of getting uh, coming to a screeching halt, there was a, a, a worry, I get not a worry, but talk about maybe uh, slowing down your schedule or having you, uh, you know, not burn out and, and all of that. Uh, has that been discussed at all? Or uh, is this break almost felt like a, a mini training camp and, and you know, the, the season's starting all over again for you? And, no number one goalie ever wants to come out for a, an extended period of time, but is there a sense that you might share the net a little bit more moving forward? Has that been discussed? 
To be honest, I'm not sure. Um, I just look at the schedule and, you know, show up for practice, show up for the game, and my number's on the board, I get in the net. So, I mean, I know there's guys who work with the PA a little bit more and kind of work on the scheduling and stuff, but for me, I just kind of stay out of it and um, try to be ready to go any time I'm in there. What are your thoughts on playing so much this season? Um, you know, obviously it's it's different than what has been at other times in your career. What feels different for you? Uh, I mean, kind of the same as before. I just focus on trying to be my best yeah. and um, being ready to go each game. And it's been nice to get uh, the opportunity to play quite a bit and kind of get in a rhythm. And the boys are playing great. So it's just a lot of fun right now. And anytime I'm in there, just trying to, you know, go out and get two points. You want to give a shout out to your cat? Oh, yeah, my two cats are great. Um, they're listening in the other room, so um, I don't want to don't want to talk too much. You know, they they'll get a big head and run my show the rest of the evening. So we'll just say a quick hello. <laughs> you know, if you if you mention uh, a cat food brand, uh, you'll have a package by <laughs> yeah. tomorrow morning. That's the way it works in this city, Jack. <laughs> I'm I, I'm kind of open for all options and supporting my local business by my house. So um, I'll just keep up with the same routine. <laughs> well, listen, congratulations on all, all your success up until this point. Uh, uh, you know, we wish you nothing but the best. Uh, you've been a, a breath of fresh air in, in this city. And uh, Leaf fans, can't wait to see what's next. Well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks, Jack. Jack Campbell. Right, have a great day. Number one netminer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Listen, I'm not too proud to take that guy's Frisky sponsorship if uh, the good people are Friskies. <laughs> I got a couple of cats myself, so on Jack's are you, behalf. Are you a cat guy? I got a couple. Uh, Jigs and Tyson are chilling at home listening. Jigs. Jigs McDonald, Tyson. the old Islanders broadcaster. His, his namesake. Wow. I know. Throwback. I don't know if that – is he honored from that? Uh, he says he is on Facebook. We're still friends. <laughs> I don't think there's a Kipper cat out there anywhere, is there? I haven't named my third one yet. Give me time. Uh, pretty consistent with the message, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a, he's a personal guy, but when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of his comments after a game, it's it's pretty steady here, right? It's team first, this guy. And it's not an act, and it's he's as nice as he appears, uh, but right now he seems like a real focused individual. He does. Yeah, no, that, that, that is sort of what I would say the binding thread of all his comments is just, you know, next game, being ready to play when you're called upon and, and doing the job. Uh, really, it, it doesn't boil down to much more than that, but his ability to stay focused on that since he's been with the Leafs to, has been impressive, and, and obviously it's still, uh, still in his head. And nothing on the contract front, uh, as I've said, right from the get-go on this show that uh, there was there was some talk early. I think the Leafs and Kyle Dubas maybe took a, a run at maybe earlier in the season to see if we can get a number that, uh, that, he, that the Leafs thought at the time would have been a, a good place for him. But price of poker just went up so quickly on Jack Campbell here, uh, JB, that uh, – Minimum, we're looking at five, five and a half on a long-term deal. What does that mean? Three, four, five years. But this is where he's he's put himself. Well, 
And, and I mean, tough to imagine a world where it's less than that, given his age. And you, we talked about goaltenders, and you mentioned that a lot of people think this is kind of the prime age for goaltenders. It's not in your mid-20s or even early 20s like it is for a goal scorer. So if we're thinking he's prime age, and he's coming off a season where he's he 939 save percentage, if he's above 930 and a Vesna finalist, 5-5's five, not getting him. Six? Six, six? I got it. I, I, again, uh, I'm not even sure what, what to six means. Does it mean? I don't think you're at more terms second round? five years. Second round? If he wins the uh, first round and they lose to the second round and they find out that they weren't good enough on the blue line, I don't think it would stop a team of, of offering him six times four or six times five. Uh, I look at Markstrom. Yeah, how important is postseason success to him individually? Because he can't be to blame for the four years he wasn't here. The Leafs flamed out in the postseason. He was good against Montreal last year, right? I mean, in the postseason. Yes. So if, if he's okay this year, but they still blow it in the first round, how much is that going to reflect on him? Some. Yeah. Uh, again, it's some. Most often, it's not necessarily if you lose, but how you lose. Mm-hmm. So. I, I don't see his game falling off the face of the earth. No. You know, the only thing I can conceivably see and is people like who seem to be more emotionally connected and nice people, it it can be a little bit harder to deal with the, the ups and downs, I think, sometimes. And when you're a sociopath who's just like, I don't care, screw everyone, I'm a competitor, you know, like in playoffs, if things start to go poorly, is he, he can, he's shown he can be an emotional guy. You know, I don't know. Does that does that mean he's more prone to swings? I don't know. Again, uh, well, that's that's the million dollar question here. And now, this is this is when people really find out a lot about about character and, and mm-hmm. all of that when it well, really comes down to crunch time. So, yeah, I, I don't think that uh, I don't think Jack can lose a lot of money here unless again it it, it falls south real quick. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't necessarily think he needs to win the Stanley Cup or get to a conference final for him to hit that magic spot of five-plus on a long-term deal. Uh, Take a look at what's going on around the National Hockey League, who's got great goaltending and who doesn't, and what that means, i.e. Dave Tippett, Mm -hmm. Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid, best player in the world. Can't Doesn't mean anything if you can't get a guy between the pipes to hold you in there. No, no, it doesn't. It's uh, it's just a crucial piece. Let me ask you this, though. How much is his stock affected if this season he doesn't stay healthy? Which was kind of initially a, a concern. You know, if he were to pull something, tweak something, not be yeah. able to go for them, would it that hasn't, be? Hasn't, hasn't, hasn't reared its ugly head yet. No, it hasn't. And the schedule certainly puts him and, and Mrazek's uh, groin in favor of of finishing strong here, it should give you the best opportunity here. He's, you know what I like too. He, he even when he was playing well, he didn't appear overtaxed to me. No, he's he's quieter to my eye. I'm not a goaltending coach, but but this year, much quieter. Yeah, that's which gotta lends, be confidence. Which lends to guys that carry a heavy workload uh, to be able to. You know, hold on to that energy when they need it the most. Uh, he does not look like a guy that uh, after a game is exhausted. No, and I think that speaks to his confidence and his ability to go post to post and 
be efficient and uh, not exude a lot of energy. I, I really like his game. You know, this is something we've talked about a number of times this year, so I just went back to check um, that stat that puck freezes. Puck freezes is on moneypuck.com. You know, when the puck hits you, how often did, does a goalie stop it? And they have puck freezes above expected. Anyway, he's second in the NHL. So that's part of contributing to the quietness is I think that he he's not scrambling. You know, a lot of times you see goalies swimming in the crease. He, he's able to hang on to pucks. And the guys at the top of the list, you know, right behind him is Thatcher Demko. Right behind Demko, UC Saros. You know, some of the best goaltenders in the league are the best at this. Well, big... Big reason for the Leafs' success was the man that we just spoke to, Jack Campbell. All right, let's take a quick break here, JB, and we'll come back with uh, EJ Raddick, analyst for the NHL Network, and and uh, we'll get his feel on the Oilers and so much more. You're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Keep the guests coming, JB. E.G. Raddick, analyst for the NHL Network, and a guy who's got a pretty good pulse on a lot of things around the National Hockey League. E.J., thanks for doing this. Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. Appreciate it. So, all of a sudden, everybody's watching the Edmonton Oilers? (laughs) What do you think? Well, I mean... Probably not as good as they should have that they were at the start. Probably not quite as bad as they are now. But I mean, you guys know. I mean, and Dave Tippett was pretty clear last night. The goaltending has been a problem. I don't know why anybody would be surprised. Both guys, you know, Mike Smith is an older player that's had injury over the last couple of years, so he hasn't been available that much. And you know, Koskinen is really just kind of a journeyman. So, you know, uh, for a team that's obviously loaded in that top six with two of the, probably the two best players in the game and thin in a lot of other areas, you call on your goaltender to, to help you from time to time. And, uh, you know, that's obviously not a strength of that team. So, you know, we are where we are, but, uh, you know, I think there's been a lot of, when you watch the games, there's been some good things in their games still, but you get undermined by bad goaltending, then it leads to a lack of confidence. You're leaning on your power play too much. You're not getting opportunities on the power play. You know, there are a lot, as you know, Nick, you played in the league and, you know, uh, you've been watching this as well for a long time. Uh, you know, this is, uh, this is what you have when, you, you know, when you don't have a perfect group. I mean, that's what it is. I, I can't, I can't think that uh, Bruce Boudreaux's doing David Tippett any favors <laughs> with the success. No. From a from no. a coaching change, so is Ken Holland now looking at that as a if it was good enough for Vancouver, maybe it's good enough for us. Well, uh, I don't think I don't think that's the problem. Um, they've had, I mean, how many coaches have they had in Edmonton in the last six seven years? I mean, they've had a number of different guys in there. Um, I think the problem is more with the personnel. I think in Vancouver kind of a different circumstance. Travis has been, had been there for a while, for whatever reason, seemed to lose the players. Uh, it was time for a change. Bruce comes in. It's kind of a breath of fresh air. The team kind of takes off a little bit. The goalie is lights out good. I'm sure that Kenny Holland would love to have, you know, and Dave Tippett, they'd love to have Thatcher Demko bailing them out, you know, shift after shift. Uh, so, you know, they have had cap challenges there in Edmonton. I don't, you know, I know that uh, they really like Mike Smith. Dave Tippett's been with Dave Tippett's been with Mike Smith for a long time. 
in the past. They had success in Arizona, but I just don't know, guys. I mean, you go into the year, everybody knows that's a challenge. You got to figure out something. I mean, I just don't know how you go forward with Mike Smith and with with Koskinen. I mean, these are just, you know, it's, it's too hard to win in this league, and that's the key position. So you got to figure it out, and they've yet to do that. Yeah, it's a it's a tough spot for sure. There's there's a number of teams looking at making major changes, and and one of them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question that really cuts All me right. personally here. This hurts. This hurts. Okay. Okay. okay, the Rangers are in first in the Metro. The Islanders are in last in Metro in the Metro. Can you give yeah. me an update on, on the New York teams and what's going on there? The Islanders, they're a rumor to be a team that apparently wants to still take a crack at things this season. Are they good enough to get back in it? Um. Well, you know what? It's hard to judge, right? They've had the really they had the long road trip, which was going fine until the third period of a Sunday night game in Minnesota mm-hmm. when they blew a lead to the Wilds, who had that run where they were winning a lot of games coming from behind. And then things just went down the drain for them. They lost the Devils following that in New Jersey. They had back-to-back games in Florida, which is problematic these days, and lost both of those. And then the COVID problems happened. They went back home, and it just – it was a downward spiral, and they just couldn't score at all, and they had a lot of guys out of the lineup. There's been, obviously, a lot of cancellations. Um, you know, there's a lot of parity throughout the league. It's hard to win every night. they got to jump a lot of teams. They're obviously uh, ways back, but there is a lot of time left, and they got two good goaltenders, and when they're all healthy, they're – I mean, they're just not as good defensively as they were. I mean, the fact that they – you know, Devin Tays, two years ago, they they moved him, cap situation. I would have tried to figure out a way to keep him because he's a terrific skater and a good young defenseman and a left-side guy. And then they made a similar move with Nick Letty and moved him out. So now, you know, they're really not the same team as a group of six that they were over the last, certainly two years ago and, and the same last year. Um, so that's more of a challenge for them. And you know, they're not, uh, you know, it's an older group as well. So when you ask me, can they get back in it? I mean, I think they play with enough structure that, you know, can they put together a a stretch of wins? I think so. But do they score enough to make that something that, you know, can you play that hard? Can you play that grind night after night over the course of the last 50 games to put together enough wins to get there in a league where everything is so tight and you have three point games. So it seems like the answer would be no, but, you know, again, I think there are teams that have overachieved a little to this point. Maybe that will balance out a little bit and give the Islanders a chance to get back in it. But they need to, they need to put together a pretty good stretch of wins, and that's going to be the challenge, obviously, for anyone. Yeah, great point uh, on left-handed D uh, out now uh, and really asking Chara and Green in your top six. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, tough. I mean, those it's really older tough. players, it's just really, really tough. There's, it's a fast league. You guys know it. And that was, I mean, and that's one of those things. Lou has done a lot of great things. He's had a great career. He's a Hall of Famer. And, you know, he's made a lot of great moves. It's well documented. But for I me, hear... I got to find a way to keep Devin Tays. I just can't give Devin Tays away two years ago. It's a guy they found. They developed. He's a great skater. And then even with Nick Letty, I mean, you know, those some of the forwards they have are guys – you know, you can live without. You can find guys to come in and fill those roles. You just can't find really good puck-moving defensemen to kind of work with the – when you have Pulak and Pellick, those guys are terrific. But if they're just by themselves and now you've had to move Scott Mayfield up into a much more prominent role, it makes it a lot more difficult for your team. You're in your end all the time, in, in most of the game, and the Islanders 
while they defend well and keep guys to the outside, when you spend that much time in your end and you're making mistakes in the D zone, I mean, it's just hard. You're hard pressed to win. I'll throw a name out for you. And it's one that's been well discussed on, on our show uh, for left-handed D for Lou. And I hear he's got his eye on him is Jacob Chikrin. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think that Jacob Chikrin is probably in play. Uh, the question is, how does it work money-wise? How does it work, you know, to fit cap-wise? Who do they have to move in return? I mean, the Arizona Coyotes are rebuilding, obviously. Um, they are looking for picks prospects. I think they wanted to hang on to Chikrin as the guy they could kind of build around a little bit moving forward. He had a really tough start to the season. I watch a lot of the Arizona Coyotes games because the family friend, uh, Cam Deneen, is part of that organization and has played a little bit this year. So I've watched a lot of their games. And, you know, he took a beating statistically, but it's just, it's one of those situations. It's a bad team and there's a, a really high end player trying to do a million things and it just doesn't work, you know, in this league, it's too hard. So I think that uh, I got the sense watching that. that's like this rebuild is going to take a couple of years in Arizona. There's going to be a bumpy ride. Can they keep Jacob Chikrin there and keep him happy and, and productive and developing as still a really young player, despite being in the league for a while and make it work for him. I, I get the sense the answer to that question is no. And so I think that he's going to be available at some point, but that's a big ticket. It if is. I'm the Arizona Coyotes, I'm not giving Jacob Chicken to anybody. I think Jacob Chicken's got a chance, to, especially with a, with a team that could surround him and support him, got a chance to be a real, continue to be a really yeah. good defenseman in this league. So, yeah, he'd be a great fit for Lou. There's no question. But can he make it work money-wise yeah. with that franchise? And it would take a, a Dobson, I think, to 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 work a deal around. Uh, they'd yeah. want a, a young prospect back for sure. And that's a hard give up too, because Dobson is a really young guy. He's a right shot defenseman. You know how valuable those guys are. Boy, I wouldn't want to be doing that either. So I, I just think again, I go back to Taze, in particular Devin Taze, because boy, I just you know. He's been what a great acquisition for Joe Sackick in that group there in Colorado. And, uh, you know, I understand there's always capital implications to all these things. And, but boy, that's a tough, that's tough to give away defensemen like that. You just try to find a way to make it work. Another, uh, you know, big name that we talked about this season and on this show has been Jack Eichel. He's someone who talked about returning to the Vegas lineup. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Eichel coming back? Uh, you know, it could be as soon as in the next few weeks, it looks like here as Vegas uh, launch themselves into the upper echelon of cup contenders if they get him back soon. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, guys, when we looked at Vegas over the, like last year, you know, it's all they've had a short history here, right? But when you look at where they were last year, you looked at them and it's like, hey, they need a number one center. I mean, that's the, that's the area where they need to find something because when you look at Stanley Cup winners throughout the history of this game, I mean, it's usually, you're, you know, you usually have to have that number one center, number one defenseman, and, a, and, a, and a, usually a, a capable goalie. Sometimes you have more than that. But that's kind of, you know, the, the, the pillars that you have to have in place to make it all happen. And you, like I said, you go through history and you'll find those pillars with almost every Stanley Cup winner. So I think that's a great – they have Eichel now as the number one center. They have Petrangelo as their number one defenseman, along with some other good defensemen with them. Uh, they have some other good forwards there, obviously. They've had over the years. They kind of slide back. They're better slotted. I think the the question will be, what do they have to do cap-wise to their team 
Like, I think Riley Smith, because he's in the final year of his deal, is probably a candidate to be moved, but he's a helpful guy. So maybe there's another way you do it. And then at the end of the day, you're relying a lot on Robin Leonard to be able to carry it through two months of playoffs. Robin Leonard has shown there's been times when he's been terrific, but he hasn't done it yet. So I like their group on paper with Eichel in the middle. If he comes back healthy and is the guy that we think he can be and they're healthy, I mean, that's a, that's a very formidable lineup, but you have a guy in net and Robin Leonard, who's had some ups and downs in his career. Can he get them all the way there? Can they all stay healthy? And can they, you know, kind of get through those Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee. Can they manage those cap challenges that will be a part of this when Eichel can be placed on the roster? EJ, one more for you, and that's the the New Jersey Devils. Uh, tough news with uh, a Dougie Hamilton needing surgery on uh, on a, a broken bone, I guess, in his face. I, I heard he, it was a nasty break near his chin. Yeah. I think the idea is maybe he can come back and play with it, but this is this is tough news, eh? Yeah, it's, it's tough for a Devils team that is is thin, right, and is rebuilding and has young players, and they don't have you know they don't have a lot of size in their lineup. And it's not like Dougie Hamilton is a thumper, but he's a big body and he sets up their defense, right? We talked about how the the slotting, right? It just he sets it up for them. Now they have they have Severson on the right side behind Hamilton and Subban. So now all of a sudden you got a pretty you know it's an NHL right side, and now you take Hamilton out. Now you got to ask Severson and Subban to do more. And you know they're in a situation. Do you want to rush Dougie Hamilton back? You signed him to a long term contract. You're probably not a playoff team this year. So do you want to risk any injury there? I I think. Uh, one of the guys they really miss on that team, nobody talks about him, is uh, Miles Wood. Because they have, a, they have like these talented smaller forwards. They could use some size up front, and he's out for the whole season. He's had, the, I think it's a hip injury. And, um, but that's a guy that I think would really help that team. But I like a lot of the young players they have there. They got more coming. Their minor league team is doing very well. But it's a work in progress. And certainly with Dougie Hamilton out of the lineup, it's a big setback for things right now because it's going to put pressure on that defense and change the dynamic there. EJ, thanks for your time, man. We really appreciate it. What about your rain? Nobody's asking me about the Rangers. Oh yeah. We had Dom Dominic Moore legit. (laughs) uh, JB tells me they're not legit. They're not legit. EJ. So you tell me, you know what? We got to see it. counts, right? That's when it will, but you know what? Great young goalie high-end group of forwards. I mean, the guys go out, high-end forwards go out of that team. They just add another one in. I mean, they got top six forwards playing in their bottom six. And, you know, they have Adam Fox. who just, you know, just puts up, uh, he's more than a point a game, um, you know, and they've got some good young defensemen there as well. I mean, I'll be curious when it gets, you know, we get push gets the shove. They're going to be a playoff team. You see them in a seven-game series, how they look. But, boy, you got to give them a lot of credit. In a strange season where things are you know, people are in and out of line. They have COVID restrictions. You have cancellations. The Rangers kind of managed to find their way through all that. And, you know, if they can keep Shesterkin healthy, they could be prob- They could be a big problem for a few teams. And Truba hitting like a truck. Like a truck. <laughs> <laughs> you like EJ, that, Nick. You like that. I do. I do. Listen, thanks for your time, man. Really appreciate right, you it. You got it, guys. Thanks, EJ. EJ Raddick, NHL Network. 
I, I tried to kind of half ask about the Rangers, but I, I ended up asking about the Islanders. I yeah, had. we just went so heavy with Dom. I thought we covered it off yeah, pretty well. That's true. Uh, so Dougie Hamilton out of the lineup. Uh, that's a tough. Uh, that's a tough one. We'll we'll keep an eye on PK Subban. You think anybody? I think he's on the last year of his deal. That, that big one with the Montreal Canadiens. You think Devils pick up a, a good chunk of his contract and maybe there'll be some takers by the end of the year? I can see that. You know, it's tough, that Devils team, man. Uh, it reminds me of a lot of the teams that uh, that are doing rebuilds where you can't just take all the NHL players out of your lineup. Like, you, you got to support your young guys by letting them play in competitive games. I understand if you can get something for a Subban, then maybe, yeah, you do that. But uh, it's probably just going to be a matter of moving them for nothing, maybe even having to have someone take something, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, JB, just to kind of round up uh, today, a couple things that I threw out there, including yeah. Owen Power, and uh, he wants to he wants to represent Canada in the Olympics. Uh, obviously a, a disappointment that he didn't get to that international flavor at the World Juniors, but there is a real strong sense that uh, – that, uh, Michigan, uh, Michigan will let him uh, go and play for Canada in the Olympics if it's a go. Now, why would Michigan let him do that? I I think it's just. I mean, listen, part, I want him to his development yeah? because he asked nicely. <laughs> you know what I think right? it is? Well, it probably looks good on them if superstars come to them and as their careers dictate opportunities, they let them go. The way that the Leafs bring in you know, Barabanov, and when it doesn't work out, they send him somewhere and they send Miko Lettinen somewhere. You know, you want to be looked at as an organization that accommodates players. I guess that's it. Because that's a big chunk of the college season we're talking and about. We are talking about uh, a big reason why he didn't turn pro either. Mm-hmm. Like, think about it. It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for World Juniors to get the first overall pick to play in this tournament. That never happens. Yeah. So that was stolen from him, and he's got another crack at it in February, and he really wants to go, and I don't blame him. It would be an incredible opportunity. And you know at the end of the year he's going to sign for uh, with the Buffalo Sabres, and it's a heck of a start to his career. And if you're Michigan – you're probably going to have him when it counts anyway, right? If he goes and plays in February, college hockey playoffs are in early April. Um, so it's it's likely that he gets back and he's a part of your team when it matters most. So you keep him happy. You get him back when your team wants to make a push in the tournament. So it makes some sense. Yeah. And we're well, sure well, this guy's one of the six best defensemen not in the NHL that's Canadian? I know he's the best defenseman the Buffalo Sabres have right now <laughs> that they don't have. Yeah. Put it that way. Yeah, I guess it's just incredible to be that good, that young. Yeah, okay, and one more I want to bring up with you, and that's Carey Price. Uh, you know, when when he when he left for to deal with his uh, mental uh, health issues, I don't think uh, he spent a lot of time, you know, physically on his body. So uh, it hasn't responded as well as he'd like. And now you're at that point where if he is still not 100%, what do you, you know, as we back? go into January, uh, and you know, does it make more sense? And I, I, from what I can hear, there's some suggesting to him maybe, hey, take take the rest of the year off. 
no Olympics, your your team's, you know, in last place. What's what's the point here? Well, and if you're Montreal, do you want them to come back and get hot and win you hockey games right now? Is that good? You know, that's the answer is no. No. There's no upside for Carey Price to to come back and play, which big, you know, begs a, a bigger question here is where do you go with Carey Price? This is where now the easy decision may be just to shut him down, but the hard decision is, okay, where are we going with Carey Price? How much is left on his contract? Can we, does Carey want to continue to be part of this rebuild with Jeff Gorton, or does he want to take a crack at, at winning somewhere else? What are Montreal's options of picking up parts of his contract? Could we have seen the last of Carey Price in a Montreal Canadian uniform, JB? Well, that's possible. You know, I, the rehab thing, you know, I always debate how much to go into this stuff, but the, the rehab thing, a, a lot of times the best thing for someone like Carey Price is he just might need a fresh start and it might not necessarily be hockey related. Um, you know, the is a new environment, a new beginning and a chance to get himself out of an environment that put him somewhere mentally he didn't want to be. Is that something that would appeal to him? You know, is that the way that this is sold is that the end of Carey Price's time in Montreal that, you know, it, it ended amicably. It ended well. He just needed a fresh start. Montreal wasn't at a place where it made sense to have him. That makes sense. And that 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 would be, you would need all summer to maybe have that conversation, right, with yourself and then obviously the Montreal Canadiens. Here's the, the one thing, though, Kipper. Like, if he was going to play in the Olympics or hoping to, do we think if the Olympics were still on, he would be playing, pushing his body? That's a good question. My understanding is that he he wouldn't have been ready. No way. No. Because I do wonder, like, if he is mentally back to a place, uh, you know, I, I imagine he would want to get playing. If he can play, like, so maybe it's not today and maybe it's not for what would have been the Olympics in February, but if he could play in March, I imagine he wants to play in March. So I, you know, I hear what you're saying about, you know, having the summer to work through it, but you know, come March, if there's a team that needs a goalie, I don't know, Oilers, or I'm just a million teams that would like a goalie like Carey Price. Could it yeah, be this I, year? That's, that's not, his contract's too big to squeeze in a deal. Yeah. That, that's an off season revisit. Need to move our whole pieces. scope. There's just, there's not a team right now, JB, that would, Sneak in a Carey Price <laughs> uh, trade. That's like not happening. Sneak in an elephant into the yes. room. Yes. Yeah. No. No. That's that's not happening. That is a, a revisit in an off season. That's months of work out uh, of the Montreal well, Canadiens and maybe a couple of teams. Maybe it'll take building two or three teams involved in uh, in a couple of ways where you spread that contract out. But it will take a massive undertaking of two or three teams to put together anything that could resemble a trade for the Montreal Canadiens where they let Carey Price go. Man, what what about Brendan Gallagher? Like, the Montreal is at a point now this season where, you know, Ben Sherratt's been talked about forever. We're talking about Ben Sherratt. Like, he is the hottest commodity on the market. I mean, we know Montreal wants to make moves. Is Gallagher a name that could seriously, you know, go this year? What's Gallagher at? Six million? Yeah. 
They just signed that show last year. Six. What do we got here? Are we talking six plus? Yeah, I think it's six. Five. Like that's a that's again. You got to understand the only ones that are 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 interested in that are probably contending teams, and you can't fit that in. I don't. Yeah, six five to twenty twenty seven. Six five, JB. For that, yeah. that's a that's a that's a tough one to to fit in on a contending team, and you know I like Gallagher a lot, but. Where do you have him on a championship team? Third line winger? Well, I'm I'm looking at where where would he fit in the Toronto Maple top, Leafs, Kipper? Top does you know, he play top yeah, six? He's, yeah. He's he's a he's a five, six, seven. Mm-hmm. Is he not? Yeah. You you have him as a three or four? No, I don't. I you're right. He's he's on your second line, you know, playing, you know, second, third line kind of guy who can yes. kind of be versatile. You know, it is a lot of money for a guy like that. I'll tell you this. 6'5 doesn't scare me. 6'5 for five more seasons scares me. Can handle him at 6'5 this season for for one year or two years, but that's that's just too much term. Always, always the term, yeah. too, as well. And, you know, when, you, when you're underperforming, it scares the hell out of teams. Yeah. Meanwhile, Sherrod at 3.5 for just this season is going to command... He seems to be the toast of the defensive class right now. Well, if 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 they if they want to do something now, they'll get a second round pick. If they want to wait at the deadline and milk it, they should be able to get their first round. For I bet him. they get a first for him. Didn't yeah. Savard get a first? Didn't we have that chat? Yeah, he yeah. did. He did. And you know what? He ended up being a a, a, a piece, a third a third pairing guy. Yeah. You know. Well, if you're that's how deep that's how deep that blue line has to be to win Stanley Cups. Yeah, and if you're good enough to Sherratt's on your third pair, you're probably pretty good, too. Well, that was fun today. Oh, yeah. Good to talk to Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell. Our thanks to him, EJ Raddick, Dominic Moore, and Luke Fox. We jam-packed it today, pal. Well, absolutely. Lots of great guests to make up for average hosts. All right. Everybody enjoy their your, your evening. Stay safe. And we're right back tomorrow on Real Kipper and Bourne.